Okay. Well, it has been a very long time since I've uh, spoken, and uh, so what we're going to kind of look at tonight really is um, uh, a personal, st- kind of a personal study that I was doing, and it was on a passage that I found to be really quite difficult. But um, you know, once I got into it, it's like uh, it just became very clear, and I just, I just love the Word of God. It's just so really neat um, how God can reveal things, right? And uh, so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at tonight. And, you know, just before we really, you know, kind of dive in, I just want to, you know, ask a question. Are you saved? Right? That's kind of going to be the topic of tonight, you know. Um, And you're going to kind of see how we work that in. In John 3, 16, oh, dear. Now, I brought my slides here, so we're going to... Hopefully I can see everything here. You know, for God so love the world, you know, it's kind of funny because any time, you know, when you talk about love, you would think it would elicit love. But no, it is not kind of what we find at all. You know, when you say for God so love the world, is that, do we have people saying, oh, that's, you know, that's a wonderful thing? No, they seem to have this anger that kind of goes up. I mean, if you've ever been out there on Friday night, you can tell them that God loves them, and for some odd reason, it doesn't bring out love. It brings out anger or resentment or, you know, and I kind of was thinking, like, why is that, you know? And, uh, you know, it boils down to I think they're guilty. They feel guilty. And instead of, you know, having their heart more of, you know, kind of maybe melted or warmed, they, they go the opposite way, and they become resentful. And so, I mean, it's kind of, I'm it's just kind of making some observations here. I mean, that he forgave his only begotten son, you know. This is such a familiar verse, yet, you know, sometimes we kind of skim past these things. Like, we just kind of, just like lightning go past it, you know. Well, what does it mean that he, like, he gave his only begotten son? Like, what, what kind of comes out of that, you know? Well, um, obviously, well, like, why did he give his son, you know? Well, you know, I mean, he gave his son because there w- sin had entered the world, and he had to, I mean, God loves us so much that he didn't want us to, you know, perish. I mean, sure, I mean, God could have, you know, <laughs> just this analogy, if he looked in a box, and he says, okay, he sees that everything went to mock, and he could have just kicked the box and said, okay, let's start again, you know what I mean? But that wouldn't be loving at all, would it, you know? That would that would that would be just dreadful. Wonderfulness, though, of our God. He doesn't abandon us. He didn't start again. He didn't. He came up with a plan that doesn't get rid of us, but that includes us. So it's kind of really neat. I mean, um, one of the uh, let's see here. Just trying to think. Of course, it just happened to be the. I mean, because because this was more of a personal study. I'm trying to make it in more continuity for everyone so everybody can understand it versus being just for me. Um, So one of the things that uh, I think is really important is the virgin birth and I know that's something that we kind of usually talk about around Christmas time but this is an all-time thing. And I was trying to think of, like, it just kind of hit me that, you know, I mean, the reason why this is so very important is because this is how, this, is, this was part of God's plan to make it so uh, we have, 
Um, so, so God was able to come in here and live that perfect sinless life that he was untouched by sin. Like how is that possible? Well, it was possible because of virgin birth. If it was, for example, if, um, when it comes to Adam, you know, it w- obviously there was the fall and when the fall happened, um, at that point, um, the be- sin became in- inherited. Um, I'm just trying to think if I want to, s- you know, I'll, I'll kind of go, th- I'll kind of read this now. I have some quotes here. It says, Adam was originally created in the image and likeness of God, but he fell to sin and later begot his son, uh, f- or be- begot a son in his own likeness. This is Adam, and uh, after his image, and this is Genesis 5.3, and it could not be otherwise. Fallen Adam could generate or begot only a fallen or sinful offspring. And so, and everybody after Adam, you know, was, uh, had that same, the, sa- the, s- the same. We, you mean, uh, you, if you are in fallen nature, then everything after that is, a, is also fallen. You don't, you can't go back, right? It's a one-way trip. Um, so I'll probably rev- revisit that in a minute. Um, so when it came to Christ, he couldn't come from that same lineage of Adam because if it was, he would have inherited that same sinful nature. And that's not possible. That's impossible because God is 100% absolutely sinless, can't be a part of sin in any way, shape, or form. So that is where Mary came in. Uh, it was a virgin, and so it was the God the Father. So his father does not come, we'll say, through the lineage of Adam, it's completely outside of that and comes from God the Father. And anything that comes from God has to be perfect, it has to be sinless, it has to be untouched. And it's gonna make, I mean, I, for me it makes so much sense. It's like, wow, that makes more sense now. It's not just, oh, Merry Christmas, Happy Virgin birth, birth and all this. It's like, no, this was vital to the plan of God. Vital to it, because this is how you were able to get a sinless, perfect savior into this world without being touched by that nature. So, like I said, he lived that perfect life. And, you know, because he lived that perfect life, because he was able to escape that natural nature, he was able to die for us. He was able to take our place. And that's what he did. So when when he came to this earth, and he lived that perfect life outside of that sin, he was then primed to be able to take our place. Because we, unfortunately, are part of that sinful nature. We have that, so when we are born, we're born uh, with that sinful nature, and we need a savior. And the only way to get that savior is to, or the only way to um, come into that uh, is to get, is to get basically to escape that nature, is to get a new nature, and that only comes from God Himself. So when He died on that cross, that was Him bearing the punishment, that consequence that has to be because you know when when we sin, that make the only result is death. There's no way to escape it. Sin equals death. And unfortunately, that is, we're born, we're born dying, because that's the sinful nature. And, it, but it just happened to be that the, Christ, when he 
when, we, when, when a person becomes saved, he does give us new life. And so like I said, he took our place on the cross, he paid for our, our sin, basically. He bore the punishment that we deserve. And when we do believe, we, instead, of, instead of going to hell, we are able to make it, we are able to go to heaven and be with him. And the only reason why we can be with him is because there is a good nature. So we're gonna, we'll talk more about that as, time, as we get into this message. Right now I'm on my pre-intro. Notice I didn't say intro, but my pre-intro. <laughs> that whosoever believeth in him trusts the truth and also repent from his sins. You know, it's not good enough just to, you know, say that God loves me and he's going, and you know, I believe that he, he was the son of God. It's, there has to be the repent, there, ha- there has to be a turning from your sin. You have to, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died in, a, that he was born of a virgin, died on the cross for your sins, and that, died on the cross for your, for your sins, and, and, uh, and that he bore that punishment, of co- and that he is alive today. Because we don't worship a dead God, we worship a living God. And, like I said, you, you have to just tr- trust in the facts, but it's more than just trusting the facts, is also having a turning of your heart. Believing, understanding that you have to turn away from your sins, that you ask for forgiveness. And you should not perish, but have everlasting life. And like I said, he is alive, and I can't wait for his return. Believe me, I love, I I can make an exit any time at this point. (laughs) Okay, so um, there's a story that uh, I'm gonna tell. It's not a story about me or anything. It's about actually a young man from eons ago. Well, I don't know how long ago, but anyway. It was very interesting because he, was this this guy, he was newly saved, brand new Christian, didn't really know much about the Bible. It was, uh, you know, uh, I think it was his uncle or something like that that got that led him to the Lord. Or and uh, he, I mean, so he basically, when he first saved, he was depending on this other person for you know to tell him things. And he, like I said, he didn't know a whole lot. But he, one of the things he observed was that Christians seemed to go out, knock on doors, and try to spread the gospel. Right? And that's really great, you know? Um, so this guy, he was on fire. He was, you know, like, you know, when you're a new Christian, there's, there's a, a, a kind of a, a zealous that you have. And so that's what he did. He went, he knocked on doors, and he said, are you saved? He said, are you saved? And of course, he knocked on the door, and he says, he, that's what he says, are you saved? And the person slammed the door on their face and said, <laughs> he knocked on, okay, no problem, okay, I'll knock on the next, he knocked on the next, knock on the next door. And um, are you saved? He didn't know what to, he didn't know anything. He, he didn't know what to ask. He would just ask, that's what he thought Christians ask, you know, are you saved? And so he went from door to door asking that and one person said, saved from what? And he kind of was look funny, uh, I don't know. Save from something. <laughs> and so he said, sorry, because like I said, he was very new to this, right? He didn't know the responses. He didn't, but he just wanted to do his part. And then anyway, after that, he saw that there was this person down the street kind of maybe needed some assistance. I'm not sure the whole detail. And uh, so he went, he asked this person, are you, are you saved? And to his astonishment, the person said, yes. Yes, I am. And he's like, wonderful. So am I. And so they both said, okay, well, good. 
And the other, and the guy who he was, uh, the guy who was said he was saved, he, he, he asked another follow-up question. He said, and are, are you born again? And the guy said, uh, yeah, okay, I'm born again, sure. I'm born again. And he didn't know what that meant, but he, I mean, he, 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 if the other guy, the guy was thinking it was a good thing, it must be, right? So he said, yeah, I'm born again. And he said, do you sin? And he said, I sure do. I'm a sinner. And then and this guy kind of looked and said, well, you're not saved then. Huh. He says, yes, I am. No, you're not. He says, yes, I am. I am a sinner, and I am saved. I know it. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, and I'm saved. We're good, right? No, 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 you're not a sinner. He, says, he, he, he said to this guy, he says, do you believe everything in the word of God? Do you believe the Bible? And uh, the guy said, yep, absolutely. If it's in the Bible, I believe it 100%. No problem, I believe it. And he says, okay. He says, sure. So he got out his Bible, and he, he went to 1 John 3, verse 9, and he pointed out, and um, let's see here. I'm going to dig it out here. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For a seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. <laughs> this guy not knowing very much, he said, well, that can't be right. There's no way, he says, let me see that. So he looked at it even more carefully, and he says, whoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And first, he removed it. There's a mistake, he said, that's a mistake, that can't be right. No, no, I don't think, I don't believe it. But it's here. What does it mean? Because it can't mean, there, we, we know from our own experiences. We know we're saved and we know we're sinners. So how can this be? There is an explanation. I can guarantee you by the time we're finished today, we're going to explore this. We're going to know exactly what's happened here. On the surface, it looks pretty rough. But I can tell you we're going to get down, we're going to dig in it, and it's going to be so clear. It's going to say, how did I not see that before? And if you guys already know, well, you'll, you, I'm sure you'll, this will be, Hopefully it will work out. <laughs> All right. So we kind of indicated, um, when I first started, we kind of looked at the idea that there was two natures. And this is really, really important when it comes to understanding this particular area because um, you're going to see that um, when you have the, when you, when you, if you were going to discuss this in the, in the idea that there's two natures and each have their own characteristics, it's going, this all makes so much more sense. So in Galatians 5, 16, verse 17, it says, This I say then, walk in spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So this is kind of giving us the idea that, listen, there's two parts in us that are warring against each other. 
So part of it is saying, okay, let's, you know, I wanna do what I wanna do, I wanna be a part of this, the world, and, there's a, and then the other part is, is, this, is the spirit part, right? So one part comes from uh, the flesh or the, the nature, the basically what we're born with. It's what comes from Adam, okay? That's the nature that wants to do the fleshy things. And then there's, of course, this, the part that comes from God when a person is born again. And that is the part that wants to walk within the spirit. In Romans 7.19, it says, for the, for the good that I would do, I do not. For the evil which I would not, that I do. This is Paul. He's trying to say, listen, I, in me, there's this, there's this desire to do the right thing, and at the same time, I don't. And then there's this part that, uh, that wants to do the bad thing that I shouldn't do, and I do. So we can see that there's a battle. And this is a good thing, because I'm telling you, you know, if there was no battle happening within you, if you had no conflict, you're probably not saved. So the very fact that you have conflict when you do things that are wrong, when you have a conscience against it, that tells you this is a good thing. Yes, I'm doing a bad thing and that's not good, but at least you have some, at least there's something in you telling you that this is wrong because that's the good part because that means you're saved. You wouldn't have that. If you were just part of the world, you would think, hey, this is wonderful, and you wouldn't have that that war against it, right? You wouldn't fight against this other nature. You would just go with the flow. Now, why is, why is this? Basically, there's, I had a lot of things I wanted to kind of say about this, but my time is going, so I'm going to start editing as I go so I can be done on time. Um, I kind of think about this like an idea of a watch. Now, I don't know why I thought of this. I, somebody, somebody said this somewhere along the line that gave this example, so I'm just going to use it, but it's not my example, but I liked it, so I don't know where it came from. Uh, but I, mean, I, th I think it was from the Truth Project, to be honest. I think uh, That's what I'm thinking. But he talked about modes of a watch. And he, he said it in the idea that each wa watches have different modes. I mean, you have a watch mode, timer mode, this mode, and that mode. And he says, imagine if you could only go from one mode to the next mode, but you could never go back to the other mode. So you, once you switch it, you're done. It's, it's permanently in that state. And so when Adam had to fall, and that, that he went permanently into the, uh, basically he went from an innocent state to a fallen state. And then, of course, that's why we have this, uh, these two natures, because once you go into that mode, it transfers all the way through. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. Oh, yes. Guess I better get into this now, I suppose. So, interestingly enough, so, like I said, I'm, I know, I'm, hopefully I'm not jumping around too much, I'm trying to keep this uh, as coherently as I can, but, um, so when it came to the key verse, that was 1 John 3, 9, okay, that is, that is the, uh, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for he has, he, his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So that's, this is kind of the key verse. And so when I start to look at this more carefully, 
uh, I started, I went right to the kind of the Greek and looks at some interlinear stuff and you're gonna, I'm gonna have it up here in a, in a moment. And one of the things that was very interesting was when it comes to the, uh, the word do and commit, it actually is the um, Greek word, para, uh, per, well, I shouldn't say it, it's not. There's two words that you can, that kind of have a similar meaning, I should say this. So in Greek, you um, basically have two different words that mean to, s to have the same words associated with it, do and make. So, so that's parazo and poeo. Parazo, both, both of them mean make or do. But parazo, it means uh, that you practice, okay? That it's repeated, habitual. Um, and poeo is it's the same word, do or make, but it implies that it's um, one single act or only once or, or uh, basically, uh, like it says, it says here, I'll just read it. A primary verb to practice, perform repeatedly or habitually, thus differing from poeo, which is properly referred to a single act by implication or execute, accomplish, etc. And of course, there are the, the uh, Strong's and poeo, it says, uh, apparently a prolonged form of the obsolete primary, I don't know what that means, but it says to make or to do, which is what we just said, uh, and except it implies one single act. So this is kind of what it looks. If you were to have an interlinear Bible, this is what it could look like. So it kind of puts the Greek word right over the English, and it tells you the Strong's number. And every word has to have a number that corresponds with it. That t tells you the definition of the words, okay? So um, it says here, this is First John 3, uh, 9, and it says anyone, uh, uh, and of course these are weird words sometimes, but that's, it says anyone uh, engendered of God, sin does not commit, for seed. So in the part that I'm looking for here is where it says uh, does and commit. Because see, we've said the word do. Remember we said make or do? So that's, that would be does or commit. Both of those imply the same thing, make or do. So when you look up, when you look up these words, it's 4160, which is poeo. Poeo means one single act. So in here, when it says so when it says, whosoever is born of God doth not, so saying the negative, doth not commit sin. It's implying does not commit one single act. And it makes sense. Think about it this way. If we have two natures, one nature comes from Adam, and it's something that we inherited, it's part of the flesh, it's part of our body, it's something that we are born with, and then the other one, when we're born again, we're born from above, it comes from God. Well, it would make sense that, that whatever comes from God has to be perfect, spotless, sinless, separated, holy. How, how could you have something given to you by God that's corrupted? God does not produce uh, corruption. He does not, just like he doesn't cause us to sin. 
what happened was, you know, again, like when it came to uh, the sin, the disobedience and the sin that came from Adam and that inherited, God didn't cause that. That was a decision that Adam made to disobey God and that once that sin happened, once the fall happened, it was inherited, but that wasn't God's doing. He allowed freedom to be there, but he didn't actually, but he wasn't the source of it. So that's kind of important to know. So uh, when it comes to these dual natures, these dis- the part that wants to do what God wants to do, and the part that wants to do what the world wants it to do, they war against each other, and it, like I said, what makes sense. So the part that comes from God is perfect. And so when it says here, does not commit sin, well, it's not referring to the individual, as in the person, you mean the, the basically the whole package, it's referring to that particular part. The one part that came directly from God. So that's, so when you say, so when you say, does not commit sin, well that is technically true because the part that God gave that person, the new man, the new creature, that part never sinned, can't sin, it's separate. It wars against, it, it wars against the, uh, the, the, the nature side. Why do you think we can go into the, boldly into the throne room of God if it wasn't for the fact that you had a holy and perfect, spotless um, part of that nature that God gave you, and like I said, it's through his son, don't get me wrong, this is, uh, this is absolutely through Christ, it's because we are in him that this is all possible, that it works like this. But at the same time, if it wasn't for that nature being, I'll say, untouched, you, you wouldn't be able, there wouldn't be access. But because, we, because anything that comes from God is good, that we are able to make that, uh, that leap. It makes sense, because how else would it happen? God's holy. So, uh, really, so when, we, so when we do, like I said, when we're looking at this and we understand that there's two natures, one being separated and from sin is holy, is untouched, and it says, so it does not commit sin, it absolutely, oh, well, that makes sense. So, because we're not talking about that individual, when, when we're not talking really about a person being saved here, we're talking about um, that particular nature and that uh, they are, that because they're born from above and they do have that new nature, that new man, that new creature, uh, they are, they don't sin. And if they did sin, like, I don't mean, let me put it this way. If that new nature didn't exist, if there was no war, let, if they were just part of the world and they had no conscience and they had no w- anything in them that, that kind of was warring, well then I question maybe if they were saved or not. So again, it makes sense. When it says it cannot, uh, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And, and, uh, like, and of course, like that, his seed remaineth in him, that his image, you know, that's what we're kind of talking about, is in him, and cannot sin because he is born of God. So that, like I said, it makes, for me, I think this works, this works. Now we're talking. Now we got it, right? But this is interesting now. If you're, depending on what version you're using, you may have encountered uh, a different kind of word attached to this. So 
Um, in the modern versions, you're going to often see, if there's a New American Standard Version, you're going to see the word practice, if you're using the NIV, or I think the ESV, you'll see the word continual or continuous, and sometimes you'll see the word habitual. So in the King James Version, we see, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. That is an absolute. It's basically saying doth not commit sin. It is... Um, not one single act. That's what we're referring to. And yeah, that, and, and when you first read that, that's a hard thing to bite. That, that, that's, that's, that's a problem at first. When before you realize we're talking about two natures and there's one comes from God, one comes from Adam. But if you, if you didn't know that or if you're just coming to that, it would seem kind of, in, you know, it may not, that'd be a hard pill to swallow. But once you know it, it's no problem. And then it says, no one in the, in the, in the uh, New Standard, no, New American Standard, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. And if you're talking about the NIV, it says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. So this puts a little bit of a dilemma. Like I said, I'm not going to dwell on this, but I'm just, I just wanted to point it out because I'm, depending on what you're reading, you might have noticed that this is, is, there is a slight difference in here. And um, I can only really think of a really a couple explanations. I have no idea exactly or the, like the real part behind this. Um, I know that it, kind of when I was talking to a few different people, one person said, um, well, when, it, when it, it works out okay because when they thought of continuous sin or practicing sin, um, they said, well, okay, that's true. Like I'm, they justified it by saying, I'm a sinner, but I'm not a continuous sinner, or I'm not a, a habitual sinner. I just sin here and there. But I think there's a very dangerous ground to walk on because once you start quantifying uh, how much sin does it do you need to sin before you count, right? It's, it's like, uh, you might as well say, well, how many wor good works does it take before I get to heaven? You're, it's the same thing. It's just one direction or the other direction. But the reality is you're, su you're suggesting that there is a, a good sinner, a medium sinner, a really bad sinner. You know what I mean? I think God sees a sin sin. It doesn't matter uh, whether you are. It makes no difference. You're, you're, you're all gone. With, you're all painted with the same brush. Sin is sin. So when it says that no one can... Uh, so no one who is born of God will continue to sin because his seed is, remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Hmm. So it's basically saying when you're born from above and you become a born again Christian, you're suddenly your life should no longer include sin. That's how I read that anyway. And I, and I know that, like I said, if you thought about continuous sin, perhaps you can justify and say, well, I'm not that bad of a sinner, or I don't have habitual sin, but I don't think that's right. So this was a little bit of a, a, con, a, a conundrum, like I said, I don't know. I mean, so like I said, I'm not going to dwell on uh, much of this, but uh, there's interpretation and, and translation. Uh, I might be, you know, cut it. I might be, I don't know what you're trying to say. Like I know interpretation is generally something that happens verbally, translation is something that's usually done on paper. I also think of the idea of translation to be more lingual, as in it's going from w this word in this language to this language. 
and there's very specific, uh, you don't derive meaning, you simply look at to see this is the word here, this is the word that it comes into. And that's why sometimes, for example, uh, some of the older versions, uh, they, they can go way back, like for example, the Young's Literal, it's, it's, it's hard to read because they have just translation from here to there, and sometimes it doesn't quite go to our language as we have today because it's not smooth, because we don't talk like that. And if you think about French to English as an example, we can all relate to that. Um, Oh, that's right, especially you. Uh, <laughs> um, it sometimes things can be reversed or it's backwards, or it doesn't quite flow. Sometimes it's harder to get the, do you know what I mean? Like it's, there's definite, it's not necessarily always a smooth transition from one language to another language. And so when you're doing translation, that's what you get. But when you think about interpretation, at least in my mind, like this, this is just my opinion, so take it as you will. I think interpretation is more of an idea. You take the idea and you convey it. So for example, if you have someone who is speaking and someone who is putting it in sign language as an example, they don't translate every single word, they are giving uh, ideas, so the concepts. So I think uh, perhaps that's what we have encountered here. And of course, when you're talking about people when, they're, when, these, are, when these things are being worked out, you know, being, you know when, the, when these versions are being created, the people who sit on these committees, they obviously have their own ideas and concepts and the theology and doctrines, and I'm sure that must influence them somewhere. I mean, this is just my own idea, who knows. And I'm thinking, you know, one of the things I thought of is if you were to look at this verse, um, in the sense, like from the, from the other version here, uh, like we'll continue to sin. One of the concepts of Calvinism, on, the last, on this, like, one of their last points is preservation of the saints. And um, the idea of preservation of the saints is that if God elects a person to be saved, and like I said, we don't believe this here, this is just, but I just wanna kinda let you know, this is kind of where my brain kinda went to see how does this fit, right? But preservation of the saints, the idea is that if, if God was to elect you and now you're saved, it's up to him to preserve you and to keep you. So in other words, your life should be living a good Christian life uh, because God has made that happen. Um, if that were the case, then this might make sense because it's going to say, well, because then it says you can, if when no one is, who, no one who's born above will continue to sin uh, because he has seed remains in them and they cannot go on sinning. Well, I suppose if you, if you believed in the, pres the idea of the preservation of the saints, then um, if you did go on sinning, they would say, well, that God didn't preserve you. If God didn't preserve you, you're not Christian. So that actually fits this newer version, right? Listen, I'm not sure, I'm not saying that's the case, I was just trying to figure out, in my brain, I was just trying to figure out why would they even go there? Hmm. It also could be just their own, uh, their own um, perhaps it was just their own experiences. Like I said, when I first read that, well, I know I'm a sinner and I know I'm saved. How does that work? So maybe just, you know, rig it up a little bit and uh, it works. I don't know. But here's the thing, let me give you the key. At the end of the day, I want you to be rest assured in absolute terms that if you're born again and still sin, you're still saved as by grace. It doesn't go away. 
And that's just an amazing thing that God was able to make us so unique that he was, we were able to be, you know, given a new life. And in that new life, we can, we can have assurance. It's, it's, it's absolute. God will not fail us. He will not walk away from us. Our life may not always look the way he wanted it to look, but we have freedom to make those choices. And uh, when it comes to, like I said, unfortunately, despite popular belief, I still sin. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but I know I'm saved. And I hope you know that if there's, if there's sin in your life, despite some of these verses, you're, you're saved. And I, my time is up. So let's close in prayer. Gracious God and Father, it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to be in thy presence and to be able to just really hover over some of these thoughts and to allow it to sink in. Lord, it's just so important for us to really dig into your word. We need to feed the new man. We need to feed that uh, that new nature that you gave us so it's the stronger. So when it comes to living for you, that we will have that strength and not 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 fail because of the old man. So, so Father, I do th- I do thank you for that for your, your son. I thank you for all the provisions that you that you give us in our lives, and I thank you so much for just saving our souls and allowing us to escape the punishments that we so deserve, as wretched as we are. I pray this in your sons' holy name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.